Welcome to season two of I Tell Myself. This season, we're doing something a little different and diving in with a twist. All of our guests this season are entrepreneurs. We'll speak with five amazing individuals who have started and are successfully running their own businesses to learn about their journeys and to share some of the lessons that they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Danielle Frankel. I've long believed that there are many ways to learn the important lessons in life. And while some lessons are only gained through personal experience, Others can be learned less painfully from those ahead of us on their journey. I hope you'll find something here to support you as we ask these individuals what they tell themselves from where they now sit. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hey, Angie, how's it going? Hi, Danielle. It is going good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining me today for this conversation. I'm so honored and super excited. Excellent. Well, we're going to start with the same thing we always start with. Um, so will you give me a few fast facts about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? What's your business? It's so funny because people ask me what I do all the time. And I hate to say I run a podcast production company because I do, I feel like I do a lot more. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm a marketer. Um, my husband always makes fun of me because I'm like, I'm a marketer, I'm a marketer. But I have chosen the platform of podcasting in which to um, highlight my marketing skills. And also I, you know, side by side, help my clients co-create their podcasts and get people to listen to them. Yeah. Full disclosure, you are my podcast person. So I am. That's why it makes me honored to be here because I've listened to every one of these interviews. And so, (laughs) and I, and I love (laughs) them all. Yeah. And I love them all. So I am glad that I get to be a part well, that's probably good if the content that you're working with doesn't drive you crazy, at the very least. Like it's good. It's a good bar. It's um, a good bar, so, for sure. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, podcasts being the medium for you, but that really you're in, in marketing, right, in terms of, you know, and strategy, it sounds like, and I know from experience, right, that like that's a big piece of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the kind of work that you always wanted to do? Oh, God, no. I mean, oh, God. I... I was one of those people who, uh, like, it was so, I just remember being in my 20s and thinking to myself, like, I'm good at a lot of different things, but I'm not great at anything. And I just remember feeling so upset about that because I would see certain people, like I had this one friend who are actually two friends in high school who they graduated, they went to college, they knew exactly what they were going to do. One became an OBGYN, like she just went on that one path. And so she did exactly those steps. And then one was an engineer and like they knew what they wanted to do. They went to college for what they wanted to do. Then they got a job for what they wanted to do. And I was just like, I don't have that thing that I just want to do. So I had no idea how, I had no idea what I wanted to do, where I wanted to end up. I graduated college. I went to school for apparel design. I don't know if you know that, but um, I picked it because it was the easiest. (laughs) I was like, not the easiest, but the easiest for me. I was, I looked through this. This is back when they had those like big catalogs for colleges that are not, you know, digital. And so I was like flipping through the catalog and I was like, what major do I not have to do public speaking? Do I not have to do a lot of maths and not have to do a lot of sciences? And I happened upon apparel design. This is legit how I picked my major. Um, I mean, it was, it's hard in its own way. You know, there was a lot of late night projects. I was, I would, I remember being up 
like doing projects with my friends and the radio show would come on in the morning and we would be like, oh my God, it's five o'clock. Um, but yeah, that's how I picked my major. I had no clue what I was, what I wanted to do. I, that, that, that was it for me. Um, so yeah, no, I had no idea. I would end up with a podcast. Like I, I'm not even like a techie per- person. So no idea. What did you enjoy about the apparel design stuff that you did? I think what I think the thing for apparel design that I enjoyed is the creativity of it. So it was that first moment that I realized that I loved this being able to be creative and that I guess I already knew that I was a creative person like in middle school I did art and I won some, you know, contests for art, but I really enjoyed the creating of something. Uh, so I think that that was it. And I also working with other people. And I know a lot, I, like in, at the time, I like working in groups and doing group projects in school, like in college really, really sucks most of the time outside of doing projects in apparel design. Like those were fun, but doing them in like your English class and stuff like that, that was, that's, oh God, that's painful. But doing them inside of that major, I really, really enjoyed that. So I really enjoyed the camaraderie of like our class because it's a smaller major. So we were like all together through the whole thing and we got to work in groups and we got to like exchange ideas. And so I really did enjoy that part of it. And then also the idea of like creating something, which is what I like about business and marketing too. Like you get to create. And so um, that's what I really enjoyed about that major. Interesting. Okay. So you finished school. Right? Yes. With your degree in apparel design? Yes. And what did you do next? Oh, God. What did I do? I don't know. What did I do when I graduated? <laughs> I do know that I was um, offered a job in New York City. And this is before. I don't even think I had visited New York City before. So to be offered a job in New York City and had never even visited before it was so intimidating. You know, I got uh, offered a job at Vera Wang actually, um, to do pattern making. And it was like paying $35,000 a year. And I, when I was in college, I had my daughter. And so I was like, how do I move to New York city making $35,000 a year with a (laughs) two-year-old? So I was like, no, this isn't for me. I can't do it. Now, thinking back, like if I would have known now, because, you know, I live in the area and like I've been in New York and I worked in New York. And if I would have known the sort of the landscape more then, like I I could have probably done it. Um, But I just had no idea. It just seemed so intimidating. And I think what I did when I graduated, um, I think I was working in retail. I mean, I started a business where I had an online clothing store, but that was very short lived. My grandmother gave me $20,000 to like start this business and it was gone in like a month and there was like nothing to show for it. Uh, But other than that, I've just worked in, because going through school, I got a job uh, working in retail. I had a daughter, a young daughter. And so I would always go shopping at Jimboree. 
And they have, I don't know if you've like, they were like out of business now, but like they were the cutest kids clothes and every single thing matched. And it would be like everything in their collection, like mix and match. And I would have every single piece of everything. And one day the lady was like, um, do you just want to come and work here? And so then I did and I loved it and I was good at it. I was good at like helping people. I was good at management. And that was my first taste of being in management in, you know, in that sort of environment. I just kind of got sucked in. I feel like retail is one of those things like you just get sucked in and it's like you can't, it's like a lot of times there's nowhere to go from there, but you do, you get really sucked in. So that is what I did whenever I got out of college. And it was like what I was doing while I was in college too. And I, and I did things on the side, like trying to start that business. I did costume design for people and doing like evening gowns and stuff like that, like that I, where I was using my design skills. I did those things on the side. So I always kind of had this like entrepreneurial thing with me where I knew I wanted to do or I always had something on the side or some other way to make money other than just my job. That's cool. It's, I mean, it sounds like you were juggling a lot, including having a tiny human to deal with <laughs> at the time and raise. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you worked at Jimbree. We're going to come back to that a little later, maybe on the management side of things. But um, what, what came after Jimbree or what pulled you away from, you know, you said you get sucked into retail. So what pulled you out of that? So I, I worked in retail. I worked my way up. I ended up, um, I think in 2008. So I was working at Coach at this time. And I decided to start, like all my friends would tell me that my stories were the most hilarious stories, my dating stories. And I decided to start a blog. And it was called Maneater's Blog. And it was about, because people get, that was what my friends called me. And because I would just like run through different guys, like I just had no care of anything. I just was having a good time, right? And I started writing my stories, like all of my dating stories on this blog. And um, I just was having a good time. And what happened was I would get so many comments on every, like on all my blog posts. And this was 2008, like blogging was like, the thing, right? This was before we even had Facebook, you know, or, or we had Facebook, but this is when we were writing statuses like, what, how are you feeling today? And it's like, I'm tired. <laughs> and that was like our status. So <laughs> that that's the era that we were in. And we weren't like running businesses on social media. But anyway, so I started getting accumulating. I, ha- I got 30,000 people a month like reading my blog, which is huge, which is great, right? And so people started, you know, asking me questions and they would email me these people with their soft stories. I kind of turned into like a help me with my dating, like give me dating advice thing, um, which is really why I ended up killing it because I have very low tolerance for people who do stupid things in relationships are like women who are like chasing men that don't want them. Like I can't, I can't even, I can't tolerate it. Um, so anyway, I got all these people and some people naturally started asking me, they're like, how are you getting all these people to your blog? What are you doing? How do you do this? And so naturally my mind goes to, Hmm, maybe I should start teaching this. And so that's what I did. I think I had I had this program that was like the first ever, I guess, online program that I ever created was something about, it was for blogging and it was like 30 days to to build a blog or 30 days or something like that. And so I, I ran this program. I had no idea what I was doing and I started teaching people how to also 
get people to their blog, to your blog. And I mean, I couldn't tell you the first step to getting people to your blog. Um, at this point, I don't remember any of that, but that's how it started. Then it evolved into, I was doing copywriting and SEO for people. Like I was writing copy for people's websites. I was writing blogs for people. Like it turned into sort of a digital marketing agency. And I also like dipped my toe in social media management for people at this time. And so that's, it kind of evolved into a a business. So I was running an online business where I had clients that I was doing social media for, SEO for, copywriting for. And I did that for, um, for a couple years. And I ended up quitting my retail job and doing that full time. I moved to Jersey and I moved with my brother. It was so funny. He got married. He had this like whirlwind, like getting married story where he met this girl in Greece on vacation. He was there. She was there for her birthday. They met, they like fell in love. He was in Louisiana. She was living in London. And she, anyway, she came and moved to New York. And so he was called me up one day and they got married and he called me up and he's like, you know, I know you always want to be in New York so you could do your fashion design. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that ship has sailed a long time ago, but, but okay, good. He's like, you always want to do your fashion design. So come to New York, come live in Jersey with us and you could be in New York. You can help us with the kids. That's what it was. It was like, he wanted me to come and, and watch his kids for him. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I'm coming. Let's go. I had just got out of this like five-year like relationship and it was a really ugly breakup. And I was like, I need to get away from this dude or else I'm going to like go back and entertain this. So, so I did, I was working my own business. We're in Jersey and, um, it's really hard as a grown adult to have your own business and work from home because it's really lonely. And so that's what started happening to me. I got really lonely sitting at home behind my computer screen. And I was like, maybe I'll just go get a little part-time job at a retail store, Pottery Barn Kids, because that's what I had already done. I know it. I can go work part-time. I can make friends. I can, like, I'm the girl that makes friends at work. Like, I'm friends with everyone that I work with, like my best friends. <laughs> like, like some people are like, those are not my friends. I'm like, those are my friends. Uh, so I made friends, had a good time. And while I was there, I got sucked in again. I loved who I was working with. And so I eventually, I went to work part-time as a sales associate and I ended up um, being the general manager of that store. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but that happened. And that's how I transitioned into like, I went back to retail after my business. And so I let all my clients go and I was like, oh, I like this. I'm getting paid a decent amount of money. I love the people I'm working with. It was fast. I, I enjoyed it. So that's what I did. I don't know if I, I don't know where I'm at in the answering of the question that you just asked, by the way. <laughs> so you're great. You're laying it all out. I like it. I like the extra, you know, tidbits about the the whys and the twists and turns. And I totally get what you're pointing to, right? Be working for yourself, by yourself, in your own home is a, a lonely, lonely way to do things. And I think, I you know, at least I can speak for myself and say that it, doubling that down with, you know, the whole COVID years of experience, right? Like, it really clarified for me my need for community and like what I need in a community. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, not just that I need people broadly, but that like, I, I actually need a sense of community. I need some people who are like rowing in a similar ship in a similar direction. Yeah. It's super important. I, I, I that is something that I've realized in, 
I don't know, maybe recent years, maybe it is the, maybe it is also COVID, but I, I think it's not just COVID. It's running my business from home. I really do realize how important being around other people and like being in community is for me. Um, and I guess I just went a long time in my life without thinking about that because I always was around people or not valuing that or not understanding that about myself. And now that I do, that's really what's behind. I know you've seen me do like my first in-person event last year. That's what's behind it. I just want to hang out with people. <laughs> like just come and hang out and like, let's have fun. This is literally it. Like I, my one promise from my event is you're going to have fun. That's just it. That's the biggest goal is we are going to have a good time. And we had an amazing time. And so, yeah, community is super important. Yeah. Okay. So you found some good people. You enjoyed the work. You got sucked back into retail. And then what happened? Well. How'd you end up here? Because this is not retail. <laughs> this is not retail. So, yeah, I got sucked in. I ended up, you know, running that store in New Jersey. And it was like a top top 10 store in the company. And then I got promoted again and asked to run the store in Manhattan, which is like the top store, like the pinnacle of all things. And like you're the CEO can walk in anytime. The like, And they did. Like people just walked in and out of your store. So you had to be like really on point, you know. Um, <laughs> And it was on the Upper East Side. And so this is like a very demanding, very demanding area, very demanding moms, very demanding job. So I was working there and I absolutely hated it, which this is just a testament to how important the leadership is with when you're working with people. Because I, when I got the promotion, I, I, it was in a different, I had a different boss and I just did not connect with her. And I, our company was going through something which, God, what what year was this? I don't know, 2018. I feel like there was a big upheaval, 2017, 2018, maybe 2017. There's a big upheaval in a lot of different industries and especially retail where they were doing like massive amounts of layoffs. I had watched personally about five of my closer peers in the in this business who like gave their all like they put it on the line for this company like they would miss things with their family they were you know because retail is very demanding they would be at their stores like 60 hours a week and I mean they just gave it all to this company and I just watched them get laid off and so this was when I was making my transition and getting my promotion and I was like wait a minute <laughs> If they can get rid of that person who like is like the poster child for this place, they could get rid of me. And so I just, I think it just really shifted in my mind the amount of work I was willing to do above and beyond what I was getting paid. It, it, Cause it's a really big expectation in retail. It's like, it, especially when you run the store, it does not matter. Like if you are at that place until the things get done, regardless if you're there for 70 hours and only getting paid for 40, it's a huge problem. And they, it's a huge problem with like, they don't give you enough payroll to get things done. It's, it's really, really, really a, a, a big problem. So I was like, I'm not doing that. Like I just watched these people give their whole souls to this business, to this job. And like, this is what the payment they got back was fired. So I was very, and I think this is why me and my boss clashed heads because she, her expectation was for me to kill myself for the job, was for me to like be there consistently, for me to like, 
I just remember like telling her once, I was like, I have a daughter, you know, like I have a fan, like I go home to my daughter and I just remember her response. She didn't say it like this, but her response was essentially like, she didn't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Like you have to prioritize this over your daughter. And when she said that, that's when I was like, eh, yeah. Okay. Goodbye. So anyway, we had some tension growing between me and her and the store and all this stuff. And one day I, um, cause I was kind of like the outsider coming in. All the other managers who were there had been there. She was like cool with them. They all liked her. One day I was on my way to work and I used to have to take like four trains every day to get to work. I would take like the train from Jersey into the city. Then I would get on two different subways to get to work after, right? And I just remember I was at, the trains were delayed because it's in New York and sometimes that happens. I was on the platform in Times Square and I just remember calling my store because I was running behind. The trains had gotten delayed. I was probably going to be 15 minutes behind. And I called and one of my associates picked up the phone and she was just like, she started whispering. She was like, Angie, she's like, I don't know if you want to come here or I just want to give you a heads up that um, Peggy, that's her name, Peggy. I, I will give her last name if I could remember it. She's in your office right now and she's with the other managers. And she's like, and I walked by and I heard them talking about you. So they were essentially, and she started telling me some of the things like whatever, my boss and my managers who I'm in charge of managing and leading are in the, having a powwow about me in my office before I got to work. And I was nice. furious. Right. Nice. Right. I was furious. I immediately hung up the phone. I immediately called like my old boss and I was like, what? I, I'm like about to blow. Like I'm not walking in that store, blah, blah, blah. And so we talked about what to do. I called HR and I was like, look, I feel like I'm walking into a hostile environment. I'm not walking in there. Like, I don't know what you got to do. This is the situation, blah, blah, blah. And I knew in my mind when I called HR, like I was like, I'm done. Like I quit. So basically I quit in my mind. I hadn't told them that yet, but that right there on that Times Square platform, I was like, I'm out of here. Like this is enough. And I had no... I had no, no backup, no, I mean, I'm living in Jersey as a single parent. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm crazy. I just do really crazy things sometimes. Cause looking back, I'm like, what were you thinking? But I quit and I called my sister-in-law and she worked also in the city. She worked like by Grand Central Station. And she was like, I was like, hi, I just quit my job and I have no backup, no other job. And, um, I need to meet up and have some drinks right now. <laughs> so I just remember going to this bar by Grand Central Station and like just the bartender, like, we told him that I just quit my job or whatever. And he just kept them coming. And that's all that I remember. And that's how I quit. That's how I quit my job. It was very, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I never have worked in, uh, retail again even though I'm entertaining again the idea of going back and like getting a little part-time like let me go get a part-time job just because I need to get out and see I just need to get out and see people I just do so anyway that's why I like I didn't work in retail like that was it that was the end of my retail story how I quit my I mean I was making over six figures like I was making a good salary like doing that and um yeah then I wasn't well, that sounds like a fun and explosive ending to that particular chapter. Wow. Okay. So single parent living in Jersey, you've just walked away with like no safety net. 
what did you do? So a couple of things. So I, uh, oh, I, I drove Uber. I okay. was an Uber driver in this time period, um, which was not as interesting or eventful as people say. They'd be like, I bet you have good stories. I'm like, no, there's no stories. I just drove people around in my like $60,000 car. <laughs> like, get in my Uber because I need, I need to make some extra money. And then I started sort of dipping my toe back into the online world because I had been so far removed from what people were doing. So all of my, I had a couple of my blogger friends, like I watched them transition. One girl in particular, I watched her transition from, we were were dating relationship bloggers together. And then she started doing this thing like called coaching. And I was like, what is she doing? What is is that? I had no idea what this was. And she started doing coaching. And I remember having a conversation. Like I remember reaching out to her because I was just like, yeah, I need to get back into like business. I have this idea for this new blog that I'm going to do, blah, blah, blah. And so we started talking and she was telling me that the online landscape has completely changed. Like it's all about social media. You got to be on social media, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, okay, whatever. And I didn't pay any mind to what she did. I just thought it was really weird. And then one day I saw on Facebook that she had made $250,000 in like three months. And I was like, okay, girl, what, what are you doing? Like, can you sign me up and teach me how to do this? <laughs> and so, and so I just remember our conversation. I didn't know it was a sales call. I thought we were friends chatting on the phone. Right. And so I get, we get on this call and looking back, it's really funny, like how, what she was, some of the things that she was saying to me, but one of the things like at the end of the call, she was like, okay, it's going to be $15,000 to work with me. And it's like six calls, six months for six calls is $15,000. And she, and I was like, you know, I got to think about it. And she was like, no, (laughs) she said, no, she was like, no, I, you have to make a decision before we get off of the phone. (laughs) And I just was, I'm laughing because I just remember thinking like, this chick is crazy. Like who, $15,000 for six months and I get six calls and I have to make a decision right now. Well, if I have to make a decision right now, the answer is no, because I don't have $15,000 to give you. So it doesn't even matter. Like I can't tell you yes or not. I can't tell you yes. Um, Anyway, so long story short, I did end up hiring her later on, by the way. And she was my first ever coach. And I I, I don't know. I think I was working and trying to like get an MLM off of the ground, I, like doing Rodan and Fields or something. I was just trying a bunch of different things. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, one day I was... This is funny. I was swimming in the pool. Like, this is where I have, like, I'm saying it's funny because all of my most genius ideas have come from, like, when I'm swimming in the pool. Um, I was swimming in the pool and I just got this, like, message or what people call it, you know, a download or just this idea popped in my head. And it was, like, you're a life coach. And I was like, huh. Okay. And I, and I was just like, okay, this is weird. And people are going to think I'm crazy and whatever. And so I just decided to go with that, that inkling of being a life coach. And at the same time, as I got that sort of that, that message, I also got the 
you need to start a podcast. So I started these two things simultaneously, which was start a podcast and just talk about like my life experiences. And it's funny because although like when I told, I was so scared to tell people that I'm going to be a life coach. And when I told my first friend and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And it's always like with Angie, she's always doing something different. She's the kind of black sheep one. Nothing surprises people about that Angie decided to, I mean, even the way that I got married, you know, it's like, I just, just when I got married <laughs> that I moved, you know, so it, but it doesn't surprise my family or anyone anymore. And so I told her, I was like, maybe a life coach. And she was like, oh, you've been my life coach. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's confirmation. She was like, you, you've been my life coach to me. You've been a life coach. So that sounds good. So I started these two ventures simultaneously which I, I talk about a lot, or I used to talk about a lot in my marketing, just because people are like, you got to have a big audience to start a podcast. I started my business and my podcast at the same time. And I was in my podcast just being so raw. I would, I mean, it's still, uh, it's still up there. It's Get Happy AF with Angie Jordan. It's still there. It's still in podcast land. And I would be talking from my car. I made a commitment. I was going to record an episode every single day. I recorded from my phone. I just did it as dirty as you could possibly launch anything. I just started talking and I loved it. And what I loved, that's how I got my first client from my business is from my podcast. And so that also ties into why I now, that's what I talk about. I'm like, you can get clients from your podcast. Like that's how I got mine. And um, and I think my first season of my podcast, I made like $13,000 from like, I mean, that was all my revenue from my business that when I just started was from my, me and my podcast. And so I started getting messages from all these people in my inbox and they were just like, I listened to your podcast. I binged the whole thing. And it was the catalyst to make me do X, Y, Z. This was what made me really think about, you know, this relationship that I was in differently. This is what helped me quit my job. This is what made me believe in myself. This is what made me, you know, all these impactful things that people were saying to me in my inbox. And that was really the most powerful thing to me. And and so I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? And I got into, like, I was the top 10 podcast or whatever, and I had announced that on social media. So again, people are asking, hey, how do you do this? Like, show us how do you do this? Um, but my thought was, wow, this impact that I'm making, I'm connected to so many women that have these, like, really impactful messages what if they all started a podcast? Like they, everybody needs one because look at the little impact that I made with just my little one. And like all these awesome women, I know like Danielle, you're surrounded by a lot of awesome entrepreneur women or women who are doing different things or like blazing trails. And so I'm like, these people need to be heard. And so that's really how I shifted into what I do now. And I just kind of toe dipped into like, Hey, I'll do like a strategy session with you. Like, let's just talk about what you're doing. And I don't even, I don't know that I even knew what I was talking about, honestly. Uh, but, but it's funny. A lot of the stuff that I like when I get Facebook memories and things, like it's the same content. Like I've been talking literally about the same thing for five years, like the exact same things. Like a lot, of, and they still apply a lot of the things that I was talking about. But that's how I got to where I am today. Hey, 
If you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe and join our community at idtellmyself.com for updates and info. That's idtellmyself.com. Okay, back to the show. And one thing I'll say about this is I don't dig too deep into this, but my human design is a generator. And one thing that I've learned from that is that like, there's this whole, like, you're supposed to respond if you're a generator. And I was like, what does that mean? Respond? Like, I'm like a go, 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 go activator kind of person. Like I get these ideas and I blah, blah, blah. But I think about in like, even in this past story, what I've told you, every time I've listened to the next nudge that came from an outside place, like that came from like, oh, people are wanting this. Oh, let's go do this has been the most successful things for me every single time. And so when I think about that, I'm like, huh, that is what I like, just kind of understanding that I thought was like really cool. And so I do think about that now in business as I like go forward is like, I'm really meant to really listen and pick up cues from what people are wanting or needing. And then I go in and create based on that. And it's always successful when I do it that way. Just throwing that little tidbit out there. Yeah, no, it's a really great observation. I was actually speaking with an artist the other day and he was describing a very similar process to how he comes up, you know, he does these extraordinary, um, huge scale projects. And we were talking about how he comes up with the idea for the project. And basically, you know, the process that he described is very similar to what you just described, right? Like you start with an idea, with your own idea, comes from wherever it comes from. But as you start to dive in, you get new inputs, new ideas evolve, right? And you have to respond to those new inputs. And that sort of ultimately drives you to the thing that you're doing, right? The thing that becomes, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, successful. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people work that way if you're willing to listen, right? I think most people have some place in their life where that's um, an approach that would be useful. But you have to be willing to listen to those nudges and, and hear the feedback that's coming at you too for it to work. Yeah. I love that you say that because something that I'm also really known for in my family and friend group is being adventurous or trying different things or doing different things. And like nothing surprises them about me anymore. And I think a lot of it, like I've had friends tell me like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be like you. I wish I could have the courage to do X, Y, Z thing. And I think it's really interesting because you do have to be willing to listen. But I think a lot of this takes courage. Like sometimes like I'll journal, like my gratitude journal. And I'm like, I'm just really thankful that you just like, that you are who you are, that you are, that you just try stuff, that you just take life by the horns. And like, you might get yourself in a lot of sticky situations, which I have. And like, like quitting my job on the subway platform, I needed help. Like I had to call my mom, like, hi, can you help me pay my rent? It was very frowned upon by my family. Like, you know, but through that, it creates such a beautiful journey of going somewhere that, you just won't expect if you're not able to put yourself out there, you, you don't know where it's gonna, you know, lead you. I was listening to the interview you did with Julia. Um, and she just did all these different adventurous things. And 
you just have no idea how those dots all are going to connect for you at the end. And, but like you said, being willing to listen to those nudges, I think is so important and just such a crucial part of the adventure and the journey and actually taking taking action. And so I think that you'll probably hear that as a common theme with all of these entrepreneurs because we have to be, it's scary. It's scary and you have to put yourself out there. You do and you have to fail and you fall on your face and people are going to call you crazy. That's just the nature of it. It takes courage. It does. You have to be willing to listen to it and you have to be willing to do something about it or not do something if that's what's called for, but either way. Yep. So, okay. So you've been at this, um, podcasting thing one way or another for like the last five years. You help people get their message out in the world. You do this strategy and also, thank goodness, all of like the background, tech setup, (laughs) audio editing, all the thing things that need to happen for those of us that don't know how to do those things and really don't want to have to learn, right? I'm sort of curious, you know, you, you leaned into this piece of this work because you felt like there were all these people who had messages to share. And I'm curious what you've learned in the process, right? You work with a lot of different people with a lot of different interests, right? You're sort of not like topic or industry specific in terms of which podcasts you support. And so, you know, I'm curious broadly, given that that was your mission or your purpose in stepping into this space, like what have you learned in the process? I'll give two lessons that I've learned. I did not expect to have to use my life coaching skills to help people launch podcasts, but it's a big, scary, personal, deeply personal, vulnerable thing for people to put themselves out there on a podcast. And this is universal no matter what. I mean, I've helped people who've from like, like you said, which I love about what I do. I've had a client who had a vegan bakery. Like I've had those helped her with her podcast up to people who have product businesses, to people who do coaching and services. So it is a a lot of range, but like the universal thing is that most people are scared to do this. And most people, there's a level, sort of a block of getting really vulnerable where people are afraid to put themselves out there. So I've learned that, which I didn't expect because I'm not like that. So it's interesting because I'm not like that. So I didn't anticipate these people like having these like visibility or being scared to say what they wanted to say or not even knowing that they, a lot of people discover that about themselves through this journey. They don't even know that they have this like thing or like this aversion to being seen in a deeper level. Uh, so I, I've learned that. The other thing that I've learned this is really key. I think this is a really great lesson for me. And if I was ever to go back to a corporate leadership or management, I think this would be something that's key is that different people work different ways. And so it's been really interesting. My very first client that I did production for is on the spectrum. And she really struggled with (laughs) Asana and with the list and with trying to do things the way that we were, like, the way that we set them up. And so there had to be some sort of, not concessions, but, like, there just had to be this sort of understanding that she worked differently. Her brain worked differently. She didn't process things the same way that I did or that other people that I had worked with have. And I really pride myself on being able to 
identify that or know that and and really be able to to shift and help her for who how she her brain works right so like we, I was like great let's just throw away this asana like what is going to be the easiest way how do you and so just really figuring that out with her but I'm glad she was my first one because there was there was tears in this process there's been there was a lot of tears in this <laughs> coming from maybe both ways because like there was a lot of times I felt like I was failing she felt like she was failing and so it was just interesting and I'm glad she was my first so that I could understand what people might need and how people are different and how you can show up and serve them in different ways. And so I say that a lot of times, like when I'm talking to people for the first time and I'm doing my kickoff calls with them, I, I really kind of have gotten really good at understanding what type of person they are and how they work and how they like to show up so that we can sort of tailor more like tailor it to what they need because some people some people are very organized they have danielle is one of my you know very organized everything is just so we got this is the plan and some people i'm like look don't even look at this on a board don't even look at this just record and some people can't record if they have a bunch of stuff scripted out and i have to say stop looking at the script like just start talking and I will help you to like be able to infuse like some of the things we need to pull out. But so just like learning those different things about people, I think has been really valuable. And I think that's like great information for me to even understand, I don't know, in life or going through, you know, in business, continuing in business, or if I was to go back to a corporate or managing other people on a team, that sort of thing. Like, I think that has been really valuable to learn. Yeah. No, that's great. It's such an important lesson. And I do admittedly really like my spreadsheets. So they help my brain work better. <laughs> um, yeah, I had I had a spreadsheet to plan my wedding. I will admit. I'm not surprised at all. It was super useful. And I've had several people ask me for it in the years since. So I, I hope that it has been helpful to them as well. I was... I was trying to plan from the road and I was, you know, I was traveling a lot for work and I just couldn't keep track of all of it in my head. So I was like, I have to organize this somehow. And I was working as a consultant at the time. So I was like, well, I'll make a spreadsheet. And it worked. So fine. Anyway, sorry. So circling back, because, you know, I know I said early on you were talking about, you know, you moved into management pretty quickly. And I did want to circle back to that. And what you're saying here is, you know, perfect. So can you tell me a little bit about how you learned to manage work and to lead people, right? When you moved up in retail pretty quickly, like, were you offered training? Did you have mentorship? Did anybody help you figure that out? Because you obviously were, at least according to corporate standards, pretty successful at it if they moved you into their flagship shop eventually, right, in Manhattan. Um, how did you learn to do all those things? I think I had a good boss. Like, I... I mean, of course there's trainings, but the trainings really suck. When I was working in certain jobs and like the contrast of this, of being the assistant manager, I was everybody's friend, you know, like everybody, like I was the one they would tell the things that they wouldn't tell the general manager. And I was the one that they would come to for things and I just had a good rapport with people. I just, I can do people. I, I really, it just comes really natural for me to be, to do people. It's one of my skills. It just is. We kind of skipped over this whole part where I had this little stint in here where I did HR a little bit, just so you know, <laughs> between, we, we did, but it was really, really short and it was just recruiting. And I worked for like a 
forklift company and I recruited forklift technicians to come and work. So I did like the HR part and I learned a lot from my my direct boss, Kerman is his name. And I just love, I love him. Everyone loves this guy. Like he's the guy that everyone loves. He runs really good stores. He still works for the company. He, everybody knows him. He wins awards and it's like his ability. And this is what I've saw from him. It's his ability to get buy-in from people. Everybody who worked with him wanted to be successful because they worked with him. Everybody would come in and do extra because they wanted to do for him. And when he was my boss, it was the same. Like I was just gung-ho. I would do whatever I would. I wanted to do my best work because I worked with him. And so really gaining that buy-in with people, I think is the really the most important thing. And I think that the keys or what I've saw him do was, you know, care about people. Number one was actually care about people. And then number two, it's like, I think this is really important because you can care about people and be their friend. But I also think it's almost like this relationship of when you have kids, you know, you can be your kid's friend, but if you don't have support, structure. If you don't have that for your kids, they're not going to have the best experience, even though they could have fun. Like if they don't have the nap at the right time, if they're not eating at the right time, if they're not going to bed, like they're going to be miserable, you know? And so it's the same in these jobs because you get, you get into management and you're like, okay, you know, yeah, everybody's going to like me. We're going to be friends and stuff. But like, if I was a super caring manager but I didn't get things done. I didn't have structure. I didn't have things set up to support you in doing your job well. You're not going to like me as a manager. You're not going to be able to buy into like that your work is going to be maximized. You know, you're not going to believe in my, you know, mission or what I'm doing or my ability to lead. So I could be caring, but that's just one piece of it. It's like you have to be caring, but you also have to be able to hold that structure, that vision, that like showing that proof that you can actually get things done and that these people are supported in their jobs. I think that is that combination of the two is how he really did really well because we could do really well, but he made sure things were run properly. You felt supported in your job. You felt like you're, you were making a difference. You felt like we were making progress. Like, like it went towards something and it wasn't chaos and it wasn't just like, oh, he's so cool and he's my friend, but it was, yeah, he's cool. He cares about you. But we're also going to get things done and do really well and you're going to feel really supported and it makes you like your job because you're supported in your job. Yeah, that sounds like a great experience. I mean, working with people like that is is a really great opportunity just to learn, to learn directly from your own lived experience and from what they model. But it sounds like you've had a couple of spots like that. I'm wondering, you know, I sort of always like to ask this, as you know, this, this sort of dual question, right, about kindnesses and mistakes, Right. And you've had this incredible journey where you've really traversed a lot of different ground. Thanks for (laughs) adding in the HR piece, by the way. (laughs) A lot of ground in a lot of different spaces. So I'm wondering if you'll share with us, you know, whether it's together or separately, sort of examples of places where an unexpected kindness shaped your path and also potentially, you know, where there was a mistake that you made that really made a difference. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that 
even just having this, you know, just having this boss that I had who I was just talking about, like a, it, it was a longer term thing where he sort of shaped me and helped me be a, like, help me get ready and, and be able to step into this new role, um, which I enjoyed. Is he the one that you called from the platform for advice that morning? Yeah. 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 Okay. He's the one. Um, he's, he's the one. He was, like, the one that, like, the boss. You know, like, sometimes you'll, like, have the boss that, like, made the difference. Or, like, you'll have the teacher that made the difference. Like, he is the, he is the one. Like, I'm going to have to call him after this and be like, hi, I just did a podcast interview. I talked all about you. <laughs> so mistakes I really want to talk about in business Obviously, like looking back, it could have been considered a mistake to quit my job on the subway platform. Um, it could have been considered a mistake to like take $20,000 from my grandmother to start a business that like, I, I don't know where the $20,000 went and like it sucked and nothing came of it and it was embarrassing. Um, that could have been called a mistake. But those things for me are not even... Like, I just don't look at those things with regret more so than I look at those things as things that have helped to shape me and to like, if I would have never done that, I would not have learned the lesson. And so I don't regret those kinds of things and those kinds of decisions that I've made, even though like they might have caused pain, even though that like, let's say if I would have had an actual plan for my, when I quit my job, I would have like, I'd be further ahead financially, or I wouldn't have had to be stressed out or, you know, whatever, right? Like I could have prevented some pain that happened. But I don't regret them at all because they all led me to where, you know, I'm at. But I, I do want to talk about mistakes in business. So a couple years ago, and this was like I was, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe not even a full year into doing production for people. And I had this client and it was this mutual friend. Like she was a mutual person. I'm I'm not going to say friend, but it's mutual person on you know, social media who like a lot of my biz besties know, whatever, we're running the same circles. And we were doing her podcast, same situation, same, you know, setup as I do for everyone. I'm, you know, we get together, we do our strategy, you get your sauna, you know, whatever. And at this time, admittedly, like we were having a little bit of like growing pains, like our podcast editor at the time just had a lot on her plate and didn't really disclose it to me. So I didn't really know how deep, like how behind she was getting and stuff. And my, everything's my fault because I'm the leader, you know, it's my business. And so I should have known, but I didn't, whatever learning. And anyway, so this girl who I thought had, a, we had a great, we had a great rapport. Like I just, thought, we like got on the phone. We're like, yay, we're the same kind of people. Yay. And she went through this process and I never, I heard very minimally from her, like through Voxer. And I would see things happening in her project between like her and Sarah, like stuff was getting done, whatever. And one of, one of the girls who works with me, who was doing like the customer service things, she reached out to me and she was like, um, I just got this email from such and such. And she was like, "It. I don't even know what to do with it. It is like 
really bad. I was like, what? Like, what is it? And she sent it to me. And basically the email was like telling us like how bad we sucked and telling us that we must only be used to working with like baby business owners and that we whatever. We suck. This is the message I got. We suck. We're all not, we're not like a real business. We're used to working with only like baby businesses. She did. She wants to quit. She wants to get a refund and she recommends us three books that we should read to get our stuff together. And so me and the girl who works for me, we're like sitting on the phone and we're devastated. We are devastated. We get the other it's like a little small group of like four of us and we like get together. And we're just like, oh my God, like we are devastated. And we're like trying to figure out where we went wrong. And all I could think in my head was, why didn't she say anything until the end? Like, why didn't she say, hey, like I thought we had a good rapport where you could just say. And so my, I just, oh my gosh, the spiral that I had of I'm not good enough and I suck and oh my God. And she's going to tell our mutual people that I suck. And like, I just was like, oh my God, it was, it was so, and, and I'm putting this under mistake. Um, but I don't even know what the mistake was because we, like I had no idea we were doing anything wrong. Um, but what I will say is that that was one of my biggest learning lessons in business. It was my biggest learning lesson because it was where I had to learn that you're not going to make everyone happy. I had to learn radical responsibility, which I already have in my life. That's one of my core values is like taking personal responsibility and like, being accountable. Um, you could thank like Jack Canfield for that, for his book, uh, Success Principles. It's like the success Bible where his first chapter is like, take hundred percent responsibility. And I was like, yes, like from that day when I read it. Um, but like I, I learned radical responsibility and I also learned that resilience, you know, it's like things are going to happen. You're going to mess up. And, and we proceeded to mess up for, like that month, that month, it was like two months that were just, we just messed people's stuff up. You know, like people just weren't, there were just a couple of people who weren't, and I'm not even going to say a handful. I would say maybe two or three people, right? Who just weren't happy or something happened or we messed this thing up for them. And it just was a hard time because I just took it so personally because this is my business. And it was personal to me. And I don't want anybody calling me up saying, you messed this thing up for me. But like we did. And so it was a hard lesson in learning, you know, accountability and learning how to deal with my team through that. You know, like I really wanted to protect them and make sure that they were okay because they were on the receiving end more than I was. You know, like I wasn't on the receiving end. I got the secondhand information. (laughs) And so they were on the receiving end. So like learning how to protect them learning how to move through that emotionally, I felt my nervous system was just like a wreck. Like I was like a wreck dealing with that. And it really like bruised my confidence. I did it. I was scared to sell. I know I had a dip in sales like the next couple months because I was just, I was scared. And, but it was the biggest lesson in learning resilience and learning how to hold something like that. And, you know, learning that and, and also being able to take something so emotional because it was so emotional and personal for me, but being able to really dissect and and look at it and extract like, what is the lesson and what can we actually 
take and do better here and not just look at it as like, she should have told me and she should have like did this and this and this, but like, what can, what do we need to build into our system? What do we need to do better? So taking some of the emotion out of it and being like, okay, what checks and balances do we need? What needs to happen? How can we make this better? Also, it's also, it's kind of humbling to do that because then you're accepting that you're not perfect, (laughs) which is hard. It's like, you're accepting that you did mess it up. You're accepting responsibility. And there was just lots of conversations that I've had to have in those couple months, which thank you, Pottery Barn Kids, retail, Upper East Side, and working in Short Hills, New Jersey, with very demanding customers, I know how to talk to unhappy people. <laughs> like, I know how to talk to them. Um, that's the biggest thing I got from that job is I, I know how to do people even better now. And so I had to have hard conversations. I had to take responsibility. I had to make things right for people. I had to say, okay, we messed this up. Here is what we can do. What's the solution? How can we make this better? And most of the people, except for the one girl who had just, she dipped out. She didn't even give me a chance to like fix anything. She didn't give me a chance to, you know, anything. It was just like, sayonara, read these books. And the other people, when they had the problems, were like, the other people, when they had the problems, were, you know, they came to me and we made it right and they stayed with me. And some of them probably, I think, are still with me that had, you know, problems at that time. But because they let me get it right. They let me, like, do what I needed to do and I listened to their concerns and I fixed it, you know. And so I think that was, when I think about mistakes, like that's the thing, you know, it's just like when there are things that happen in business, like, like they can really, 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 really throw you off path. They're really, really hard to like have a business and face your face mistakes in your business. It's very hard. It is. It's interesting though, because you said you were going to kind of circle back to the kindness thing. You weren't sure what, what you were going to, um, point to there, but it sounds like the customers that stayed with you and gave you a chance to make it right and to learn from it, like in and of itself, that's a kindness. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. It is. And you know, I've been sure I have been shown so much. Uh, I'm trying to think, um, cause I feel like there's something, re- I mean, even recently, I just, I have such a great circle, you know, like when I did my first event, like there are people who are, I have this friend named Danette and I love her. And last year was a weird year for a lot of people and weird transitions going on. And I just, you know, my daughter just like went to college and I'm trying to like figure out what I'm doing with myself now that I don't have that same role in in motherhood. And so it's just a really weird transitioning year. And um, so I just, and in business, it just was weird and I was just struggling to like show up and for my business and sell and stuff like that. And I have this friend, Danette, and, you know, I just tell her some of those things. And she, she literally will call me every morning for this period of time. I was going through this hard time and she would call me every morning and she would be like, get up. I mean, we don't say curse words here, but that's what she said. Get up, B. <laughs> it's like... Every morning, she was like, what you doing? What you working on? Get up. And I just, it's just like her voice in my head. And I just felt, and then again, when I did this event in December, she's the first person to sign up, the first person to show up. She's like there. She ain't doing no podcast. <laughs> like she, she, she signed up to do one. But she, 
she has not started a single podcast, but she has just shown me, I don't know, such kindness in a way that it, I don't know how it shaped me, but I would just say that it just really is very touching and really makes me think about, you know, the humanity of people, that there are such great, kind, supportive I really have a lot of support from people who I haven't even been like people who I met online, internet strangers have been the kindest, most supportive people for me and had my back. And, you know, I had people in my DMS that were, that I met in person one time that were like rooting for me for my event and so excited about what I'm doing. And so that, I mean, that also goes back to community and how important it is. But that that kind of bond and having those kind of people around you, I think, is so is so valuable. And a lot of times we don't get that. Like you said, like it's the type of community that you have, because I didn't get that when I was in community with people at Pottery Barn Kids. Like we were talking about like raunchy stuff. Like we're not like supporting each other through life goals. We like talking about what guy you went on a date with last night. Like that's fun and all, but having that level of like friendship and camaraderie with people who get it like uh, people I could reach out to when I was going through this you know that first blow with the client who like gave us the books to read like I had support and I had people and I so I've had lots of people extend me lots of kindness I think um and it just reminds me of like humanity and like people that are people are essentially to me good and that I do I always have a lot of support so like sometimes I have to remind myself because you do feel alone sometimes and you feel like nobody cares or like you're not supported when you're in business like it's it's, it's tough so to have that is I think so valuable yeah all right Angie so you know the last question you've shared plenty of really great lessons here but if you could go back and tell yourself at any point earlier on something from where you are now what would you tell yourself? Oh, this is such a hard question because it's a hard You can't not have an answer of all I do the people I've spoken to for every interview. You knew this question was coming. So <laughs> you, ha- you do have – you are the one person I will say you do have to have an answer for this question. I have an answer. I feel like a lot of people when they answer this question, it has to do with maybe things they would have done differently or things that, you know, they tell themselves because, you know, something they learn now that they wish they would have known then. I think if I could tell myself anything, it would be that it's working. When we ask this question, it just makes me like look at this younger version of myself. And I I really just want to cheer her on. Like, I really want to say it's working. Like you're doing it. Like keep being courageous, keep taking risks, like keep following those nudges. Like we talked about, like keep putting yourself out there, keep wanting more, keep being open, keep exploring, keep learning. We have to expose ourselves before we know that things are possible for us. And if there was one thing that I wish that I would have gotten at a younger age is more exposure to things that I that I didn't even know were available to me. When I grew up, I saw people, when they grew up, what they did was they became a teacher. They became a nurse. If you're really fancy, you became a doctor or a lawyer. And you make 60 grand, and that's a good living, and that's what you do. And so I had no idea. You go to the state school, like I went to LSU, and that's great. 
because you're not going to the other because that's the best state school. So you go into the best school. And that's all that I had to aspire to. And I grew up in a small town outside of Baton Rouge, but that's it. Then when we moved to New Jersey, I, with my daughter, and this is the best thing I could have ever done for her, hands down, like her friends had elevators in their houses. Parents make millions of dollars. My fr- Some of my friends in Jersey's husband's bonuses were bigger than my, my annual salary. And I just had never been exposed to this. People were doing different jobs that I'd never heard of. There was just so much. It just, I was like, wow, like there's a whole, like these people are rich, rich, like not like the dad works at the plant and the mom is a teacher in over in Baton Rouge and like they make decent money and they like live a good, you know, life, which I, I, that's good. And I like that lifestyle, but I just had never, I just didn't know what was available to me. And so I think that just like being really not crazy, what's the word? Just, just being diligent about like being in, even now being in different rooms, being around people who are doing different things, exploring and learning and seeing what else is out there is I think what I wish I would have known when I was in my twenties. Cause I didn't know. I just didn't, I wasn't exposed to this thing. So is that a decent enough answer? I think it's it's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think a lot of people benefit from that. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Okay. So I um yeah, I think that would be my thing. I'm glad that that I'm I'm glad I came up with that on a whim. <laughs> Even though I knew that that was going to be asked. Yeah. All good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and some of the things you've learned along the way and some of the hilarious adventures that you've been on. It's, you know, I know you, but it's a pleasure to kind of get to know you better and and learn all these background details. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been so fun. I'm glad that we got to chat. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something to support you wherever you are on your own journey. Don't forget to subscribe where you listen to your podcasts and head over to itellmyself.com to sign up for updates. Until next time, take care.